Hi there, and welcome to the podcast, Lifting the Veil. I'm your host, Noelle Cellini. This episode was not what I was planning to record for today. I was actually going to talk about kind of tips on how to, the things that I do to stay healthy when traveling, because I don't have all my access to all my lotions and potions and pyramid hanging over my bed and all that kind of fun stuff. But as always, I'm paying attention to what is coming my way. And I ran into somebody who I know listens to my podcast and ran into her outside of Whole Foods, outside of the grocery store. And we were chatting and she said, well, I'm here. She said, because I could only get this coffee creamer here at Whole Foods, she said, and I always think about what you said, that we crave what we need. So I said to her, I was like, well, what is it about this specific, particular specific coffee creamer that you like? And she said, well, number one, it's sweet. And I think she said it's creamy. Maybe she said silky. And I was like, okay. I was like, so sweetness, we crave what we need. So in this podcast, that's what we're going to dive into. As always, I hope you will enjoy it. And thanks for tuning in. All right, let's get into this list. Now, as a reminder, this is actually not my list. This is something that I saw several years ago on Instagram. And every time I reshare it, people just seem to really resonate with it. So I'm going to read it off for you now. But uh, I have included some of my own intuitive kind of insights when I look at this list of the things that we crave. And then, of course, I'm going to throw in a few health and wellness tips because, well, this is my podcast and that's what we talk about here. So the first item on the list is sour and it says this equates to feeling scattered and unorganized. Next we have soft, which is feeling lack of love and nurturing, feeling uncomfortable. Then we have sweet, which is in need of more fun and joy. Spicy, I wrote down feeling afraid of boredom, feeling bored, but the initial list says craving intensity and living on the edge. Then we have crunch, I wrote down stimulation or overstimulation, but initially it says feeling stressed, trampled upon, and overwhelmed. Then we have salty, which is feeling a lack of flow and openness. Now, of course, I think looking at this list, and the one probably all uh, can can relate with is the sweet one. And while it says in need of more fun and joy, I think truthfully, it's just more straightforward than that. I think it's, you know, craving that we forget that life is sweet. We forget that life is here for us, that we live, we live in a benevolent universe, not a malevolent universe. I'm always wondering when and where did humanity pick up this this veil, this belief that that you know we're not here to enjoy it? And I'm not talking about that. Yes, it is true. We are deeply pleasurable beings, but just the simple joys in life. That life is sweet. Hence, why I see so many people. I've been there as well, craving and needing so many sweets. Um, where did we pick up that? you know, having, if we had a dessert at lunch after our salad or sandwich or whatever it is, that then we can't have dessert after dinner as well. I don't know, maybe a nutritionist would come and slap me across the face and say, Noel, that's horrible. 
advice, but I think, isn't it all about balance? And again, we, we crave what we need. I find a lot of times with cravings, with me particularly, I let my body have it. And this is me. I let my body have it. And some days I need it three, four days in a row, and then I'm over it. And then I'm done. I've learned that if I go look for other things to replace it, like, oh, instead of this, I'll have some almond butter on this. No, it's... <laughs> It's still there, but so I just let my body have it. Um, but going back to the sweet thing, I just, I, you know, I watch people at this juice bar that I've worked with and they'll hem and haw over buying the regular size dessert, which is like the, like the size of a brownie. If you look at a cut brownie and then there's a mini dessert, usually the same one of a pumpkin pie or a, or a tiramisu or, or things like that, or a, a lemon bar. And I'm always excited and I say something when somebody buys the regular size one versus the mini because I say, yeah, you know, life is sweet. We came here to thrive. Let's not deny ourselves. Let's not one, deny ourselves and then think it's so bad to have the dessert. Again, when and where did we did we pick that up that life is sweet? Yes, we are disconnected from these simple pleasures. I, I talk about, you know, joy. Why don't we as adults jump in puddles anymore or blow bubbles or fly a kite? Why is it only a child with their parents flying a kite? When and where did we lose touch with these simple joys, the sweetness of life, these little pleasures? And think about it. If we were doing two, three of those a day, I don't know. Would our craving for desserts then that sweetness diminish? I don't know. Maybe that's an experiment we should try. Of course, on a health and wellness note, if you've listened to me or uh, followed some of my posts, you probably know what I'm going to say, that the sweets and this intense craving that I watch a lot of people have, and I've been there too, is actually parasites. And parasites, this is because parasites, they crave sweet foods. They don't like bitter foods. They don't like bitter herbs. This is why the liver parasite cleanse that I do every spring and autumn, the herbs are very bitter in this tincture. It's wormwood, black walnut, and something else. And in other cultures, you know, even like bitter melon, that's very common. I know um, in Vietnamese cooking and things like that, uh, in traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, we would use, we use a lot of bitter herbs to rev up digestion. I look at the standard American diet or just in general what we eat or go to the grocery store, even in a foreign country, even just wherever you are. And we find odd things like crackers or potato chips or weird things that have sugar or some derivative of sugar. And I'm not talking about a granola bar that would probably have sugar in it, but weird things that have sugar or some form of sugar. Hence, yes, we know that makes us crave more. And again, going back to parasites, we don't, we don't parasite cleanse. The ancients would always, would always do some sort of cleansing. Definitely parasite cleansing. They would always do some form of fasting. We don't do that as well. You know, give digestion a break usually on a Sunday once a week. So it's actually, like I say, it's actually the parasites. Um, and hence, even at the full moon, I can watch at this juice bar, you know, a few days, two or three days leading up to a full moon and on the full moon and a few days after the sales for desserts are higher than the other days and weeks out of the 28 day cycle 
of the moon. Um, again, it's because the parasites are coming out around the full moon. This is why when I do the cleanse, I have to, I don't just ask my naturopath for the liver parasite cleanse because it's the spring or the autumn. Just send me one. I'm ready to do it. I do it every six months, twice a year. She sends it to me, but I don't just start once I get it. I have to look at the calendar and start taking the herbs seven to eight days before a full moon so that I have enough of the herbs in my system, seven to eight days worth by the time the parasites come out on the full moon to feast, to kill them. And then of course they go back and lie dormant, so to speak a little bit until the next full moon. We'd look at people who work in hospitals, NER, and they talk about full moons, you know, all the crazies come out. Well, lunatic, it's the parasites. Same thing with the sweet stuff. This is why I'm a big, big, big proponent of um, you know, eating salads and particularly before a meal, before we start having other things, even before having a soup or a sandwich or whatever it may be, um, having salads and, and with bitter greens. It doesn't have to be extreme stuff like bitter melon is hard to find, at least here in the States, I think. But the bitter greens, because we don't get... We don't get enough bitter foods and herbs in our diet. So that would be things like radicchio, arugula, um, escarole, dandelion greens. I talk about juicing dandelion greens. That's a go-to for me. Dandelion greens, usually celery, green apple, and that's good. I can throw in a cucumber if I want, but I will do that. Dandelion greens, I just... Because, or if you don't have a juicer, do it in a blender or saute some dandelion greens or put them in a salad or put them in a soup. Again, we don't get enough of these bitter foods and herbs. Not only are they good because the parasites don't like bitter foods and herbs, but they also rev up digestion, especially when we start out a meal with that. So that is... Uh, that's talking about sweet and kind of health and intuitive stuff uh, with craving sweet things. Remember, we crave what we need. In my notes here, I also wrote down a few other ones not on the list initially, which is I wrote down milk chocolate versus dark chocolate. And this came up because I was talking to somebody and he was sharing how he has just been all he craves is milk chocolate. He said the dark is just way too strong or way too bitter for him. And for some reason we were talking about and I was thinking about the milk and, you know, how the milk chocolate is more kind of filmy, maybe a little bit more creamy, obviously, not as, not like the dark chocolate, which kind of maybe just will break apart and again, more bitter, more intense. And somehow we, I've said something about, you know, like love and nurturing. And he was like, oh yeah, definitely. And it also made me think just knowing a little bit about this person. I don't know that this is correct, but intuitively this is what I got. This is somebody who, while he's an adult now, he went to boarding school. He's from a very traditional British family. And I don't know what age people go off to boarding school. I know that it's younger than going to university or college here in the States. And I don't fully understand it. But I think, well, you're young, you're younger than 18. And you're away from your family, you're away from, you know, your siblings. I don't exactly envisioning like the headmaster of the boarding school, you know, comforting you or giving you hugs. I mean, I know when I went to college, I didn't turn to my 
you know, RA or floor assistant or whatever they were, the, the dorm that you stay for when you need like, you know, a shoulder to cry on. You have your friends and that's about it. And some of those friends you can't even share that with. So I think sent off at such a young age where you maybe don't have that love and nurturing, hence could be the craving for this milk chocolate. So that again is just something uh, just a way to look at these cravings and craving what we need. On that same note, I also wrote down cheese and dairy, which is the same thing as the milk chocolate. I wrote down mother and nurturing. Now, a lot of people tell me, they say, oh gosh, I would love to be vegan or I tried it, but I really, I can't give up cheese. I'm, I'm addicted to cheese. And actually, again, like the sweets and the parasites, <laughs> there's, there's an explanation for that. They're not, they're not wrong. I know nothing's ever right or wrong. Just there's a little bit deeper understanding going on. And that is with cheese, any sort of cheese. It can be uh, cow, sheep, doesn't matter what it is. But there are casomorphins in cheese. And this equates to morphine. So it really is when people say it's addictive. And it is. It's because it's like morphine. It makes you craving wanting more. Why? Because it's that way, because this bonds and binds the mother to the baby so that the baby will keep coming back for this nourishment, for these nutrients that it can't get from other sources because it's a baby. It can't process the other, so to speak, adult grown-up foods, whether that's grass or hay or I don't know, all different things that they eat. Same thing with the human baby. You're not going to crunch on a carrot just yet. You're going to we rely on our mother's milk for the nutrients, enzymes, all that stuff, proteins, carbohydrates, all that stuff that we need. So this morphine in dairy, nature designed that way. Nature is not stupid. It is that way for a reason. I know when I eat dairy, you could go have, you know, a little sliver of cheese, close the fridge and sit back down and, you know, go back to the kitchen, open the fridge and want more. Well, again, it's not you being, oh, not strong-willed enough. It really is that way cheese is addictive. Now, as an interesting side note, that gets more concentrated in like ice cream is the top. That's the most concentrated. Cheese would be the next step down from that. So there is a reason for that. And of course, then I'm looking at, I'm thinking cheese, same thing. It's milky, it's creamy. It's, um, again, it's that love and nurturing where then maybe are we not giving it to ourselves or where do we feel not supported or loved either from, you know, maybe our partner, maybe our surroundings, maybe the universe, whatever that may be. Also in my notes, I have, uh, ice drinks and ice. I find ice drinks are very common, but first I want to touch on ice uh, I had a friend who used to eat <laughs> crunch on ice a lot. And don't quote me on this. I think this equates to some sort of iron deficiency in the blood. Again, I'm not, please, please, please don't. I'm not a doctor. Please don't quote me on that. But I think that's what that is. But I met her when we were both, um, when I was working as a server during my awakening. And of course, every time she just would pick up a piece of ice and crunch on it, I'm thinking, well, yeah, the ice thinking you need to kind of 
cool and almost kind of like the crunchy. Crunchy says feeling stressed, trampled upon, overwhelmed, stimulation, overstimulation. And then combined with the cool, the coldness of the ice, you kind of need feeling like, ooh, especially in a, in a, in a job like being a server where you have chefs, you know, saying stuff at you, you have tables saying, I need more napkins. Can I change my order to this? You have other people here and there. Where's the bathroom? Where's this? Where's, can I use this extra chair? And can I switch table? Whatever. All this stuff. There's a lot going on, a lot you have to keep, uh, you know, in order and together. So the ice, I can't help but think, but needing to want to cool things down and the crunchiness, same thing. I know personally myself, uh, chips or crackers are kind of like <laughs> my kryptonite. Uh, it's not really sweets. I do like chocolate, but um, but chips or crackers because I, I feel, so to speak, I crave that sometimes or need that at the end of the day because sometimes I deal with a lot. I deal with I'm a giant magnet, so I have a lot of people that come to me. I get a lot of intuitive stuff my own, so the crunchiness kind of <laughs> is a way for me to ooh, kind of uh, not feel so overwhelmed, so to speak. Now, ice drinks, this is, I tend to see this a lot. I think this is common. Even people, I meet people who will say, well, even in the dead of winter, I'm drinking iced coffee or iced tea. And ice stuff, any ice stuff, ice cream, but especially ice drinks, uh, health-wise, we have to be very careful. A couple things. Initially, ice, I feel that people say, well, I crave it because I'm hot all the time. And again, this is common. That to me is signifying that if we're feeling always hot and we need ice drinks to cool us down, that there's already too much inflammation in the body. And so we're feeling the need for cool items to cool us down when actually you are creating more heat by eating cold iced drinks or cold iced foods, especially if you're already overheated. How so? Because... If you have an iced coffee, iced tea, whatever it is, ice cream, the body has to work then to bring that up to, so to speak, body temperature, room temperature, just to then start breaking it down. So you're expelling more energy, more heat to bring those iced items up to room temp and then start to break them down and assimilate and absorb them. Also, also... And remember, as a side note, digestion is the biggest energy output the body does. And everything is energy. Remember, I've talked about a lot of my Instagram this summer, healing is voltage. So if we don't have enough voltage to create and make new cells, like our liver, whatever, regenerates itself, something like every two months, um, that means we don't have enough voltage if we are in chronic pain or chronic disease because we don't have enough voltage, energy, and healing is voltage hence chronic pain, chronic disease. So we don't, we have to be conscious of our energy. We think about if you've been with somebody or hang out with somebody and they're kind of a negative Nancy or always pulling you down or this and that. We think of a pull on our energy or staying up late or too much screen time. It's a pull on our energy. Digestion, out of all the things we do, even talking to that negative Nancy, maybe for three hours straight, more than 
more than writing, reading, sex, working out, talking to that negative Nancy for three hours. Digestion is the biggest energy output the body does. Hence, going back to fasting or like today, I'm juicing today. It just happens to be random that I haven't been recording this and just I'm just drinking juices today. I'm straining them two times at least so that there's no pulp, no fiber to activate any digestion. So it's I'm not eating no solid food. Um, I'm still getting beautiful enzymes and nutrients. I'm just bypassing digestion. I'm doing that because I've felt like I've been craving too much chocolate lately. <laughs> and so I do that sometimes just as a reset. It's just a one day thing. Um, but going back to either juicing or fasting one day a week. This is why as a side note, over a year ago, I shared in my Instagram stories and I got so much response from this positive response that for over 20 years, my mom would say to me, every time she would get a cold or get quote unquote, get sick, she would say, Oh, well, it doesn't matter. I can't taste anything. I can't smell anything. So I don't want to eat anything. And then when everything, all this, the shit show went down in 2020 and onward, everybody was freaking out about taste and smell. Well, that's kind of actually what the body normally does, because it doesn't want you to want any food so that it can use that energy to fight off whatever, again, whatever infection, virus, bacteria, whatever you think it is, is going on in your body. So this is not something to freak out about once we know how the body works. So energy is the biggest energy output. As a side note, breath work, anything like that, qigong, tai chi will bring back energy into the body. So when we're already overheated, have so much inflammation, we're adding ice stuff, the body has to expel more energy to bring it up to break it down. This is not good. And then if we're, if we're eating, and we're drinking an ice drink an iced tea, while we're eating food, we're basically taking that food that's in our stomach, and then solidifying it into a hard rock when we add ice drinks to it. And the body has to work even harder to warm it up and break that all down. I think about it this way. If you think of coconut oil, you know, use it or have it. I think we most of us know that in the summer or when it's heated, it gets totally liquefied. It's just a big jar of, of you could just pour it straight out of the jar. But anytime it gets cold, like right now in February, the jar sitting next to my oven uh, on my kitchen countertop is solidified. But of course, if I were to stick that jar and warm up the oven, it would it would come, it would totally liquefy. Now, that's an oil. So this means that anytime we are eating food, and most people roast things in oil, saute things in oil, have an olive dressing or have a, a salad dressing in an oil. I don't use oil in my kitchen. That's my own personal thing. But even so, even if I don't have oil in my food because of a dressing, a roasting, sauteing, I still have a fat in terms of nuts or an avocado that will have oil in it, naturally occurring oils. So if I'm eating or anybody else is eating and we add something cold to it, it's like that coconut, coconut oil. It immediately takes it and solidifies it. And oh gosh, that's not good. That's not good. We don't ideally want to drink anything during meals. This dilutes our stomach acid. And then if we drink cold stuff on top of it, that's even worse. That's even harder for the body. Also, I, I wrote down in here, it, TCM. So TCM stands for traditional Chinese medicine. 
this is the one I resonate with the most. Some people may pick Ayurvedic, any of these ancient kind of medicinal or, you know, modalities that are older than Western allopathic, which is 1912, 1913, uh, that TCM Ayurvedic has been around for thousands of years, really takes a holistic view of the body. TCM is the one I resonate with most, anything Taoism, Tai Chi, any of that, uh, the jade egg. In TCM, we never do cold. Never, 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 never. We don't do cold. If we do, you know, we're doing always doing heat on something. We're doing the cupping. We're going to have heat, um, acupressure or acupuncture. Everything's going to have heat. We never use cold. We never use ice. Why? Because cold stagnates. It stops things from flowing. Whereas heat gets things moving. We don't want things to stagnate, whether that's emotions, thoughts, um, foods, waste, viruses, bacteria, uh, any of that. We all want it to keep moving. This is why as a very, very, very side note, we wouldn't, uh, if somebody were to, if I were to like, somebody were to hit their knee on a coffee table and it swells up, the first thing that most people do is run and get an ice pack. I would not do that. This is a veil I worked on and uh, would not do that because the swelling is actually the lymph rushing to that area to protect that area that they just got hit on the side of the coffee table. It's protecting it. It's swelling it up in case it gets hit hit again. It's like a, like a cushion saying, Hey, if you bump into something else, this now swelling will protect you. So if we put ice on the area to quote unquote, make the swelling go down, we're preventing one, the lymph from, from moving towards that area. And then we're preventing the lymph, which is our sewer system. It runs parallel to the blood to draw out toxins. It doesn't deliver nutrients or anything like that. It's the sewer system. So if we ice the area, lymph cannot flow to it or the lymph that has now can't move away from it. We do not use ice in TCM. We don't consume it. We don't put it on the body. We're always using heat. So again, going back to the ice drinks, you know, people craving the stuff, even in the middle of the cold months, eh, this is their sign. There's too much inflammation. And then even more of a side note, didn't mean to go this far with it, but in TCM, we say that kind of fall or excuse me, autumn, winter immunity is built in the summer, meaning people who are eating a lot of ice cream or sorbet this stuff, ice drinks, even crackers and stuff would be included in that. That stuff is very damp. It's very sticky. And dampness is the hardest to get rid of it. Think about it. It's, it settles. It's heavy. It's sticky. So ice drinks and ice cream and sorbet and things like that are very sticky. And we may crave them in the summer because it's hot, trying to cool ourselves down, so to speak. And then that stickiness is there. And then when people transition into autumn... I see a lot of people have a hard time. They get, they get sick at the transition of the seasons because that dampness is there. The immunity was made in the summer and it's been, we haven't really heated, treated it well. We've actually done the opposite. We've created dampness. So something we would do is always drink ginger tea, ginger tea daily. You can just chop up a couple 
um, pieces of ginger, boil it in some water. You could buy ginger tea at the store. Ginger tea, warm ginger tea is something daily. Uh, 12 months out of the year. It helps pull mucus out of the body. It's very warming. It keeps things flowing and moving. Uh, and again, no ice drinks. Of course, <laughs> we came here to enjoy it. Ice cream here and there is not going to, the body is not going to crack under having one or two ice cream cones here and there. But it's, again, it's kind of built up over time. So same thing with the, with the inflammation. And then wanting the ice things on top of it. The root cause is, again, too much inflammation um, um, in the body. As a side note, I remember when I went to Morocco, again, middle of the desert, super hot, no matter when you go. And obviously, a lot of these countries and even Europe and stuff, they don't have a lot of ice, ice for drinks or even ice anything. And we drank warm, actually very hot, mint tea. And whether it was mint or spearmint or peppermint... It was very refreshing. Even in the hot, very dry desert, this warm mint tea was super delicious. And again, very refreshing. So we would still drink warm things in TCM. We would drink warm a glass of warm ginger tea daily, even in the hot, hot summer. That is actually more cooling and easier for the body than these iced drinks. All right. So that's the list. I hope again, <laughs> that was helpful. Maybe it's some things kind of popped up for you or, uh, and is something to explore as always, you know, I want it to be helpful and inspiring and hopefully that has, uh, come through for you. Okay. I wanted to keep this podcast to kind of change it up, keep it nice and short and sweet. Uh, the cleansing course with my naturopath, we usually open it every spring. We'll open in March. I'll link that in the episode um, details in this podcast. That's where you'll get the colon powder and uh, that will be based on your iridology reading with Dr. Jen. And then of course the 18 day liver parasite cleanse. We always do the colon first because everything uh, really kind of empties into the colon and we don't want to send dead parasites and things that the liver has been holding on to uh, through a colon that has not had the colon wall repaired and, you know, kind of got things moving and, and that that detox pathway open and operating uh, correctly. And if you want to reach out to me and let me know of any topics you'd like to see me address in a podcast, please let me know. My website is lifting-the-veil. Com. Remember, if it doesn't have the dashes in between the words, it kind of looks like lifting the evil, which, yes, is a little bit of what it is. And please feel free to share this episode with anybody else who might find it helpful and inspiring. And as always, thanks for tuning in, and I hope to connect with you soon.